It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into this week's Dublin to Denver episode with me, Colm Cronin, and as always, I'm joined by the inimitable Stuart Roach. Stuart, how are you doing, sir? I hope I, hope I haven't been miscibled by anybody online or anything else. I'll have to get my legal team onto them. I'm good. How are you, Colm? Always a pleasure. A day, a, a week closer to training camp, a week closer to actual football. Yeah, uh, f- fortunately, and... We are delighted today to be joined by guest for this particular episode. People will hopefully be familiar. And if, if you're not, hopefully by the end of the episode, you may have been convinced to follow this man across social media. It is Frankie Abbott. Frankie, welcome to the Dublin to Denver podcast. How's it going, guys? Excited to be here, you know, talk about some Broncos. And like you said, it's a week closer to the training camp week closer the season starting it's been it feels like it's just been way too long you know it's been it's been just such a long delay especially for the Broncos fans that might have checked out in like week six last season you know it might even feel like it's been a few years since you've gotten to feel like the team is watchable and hopefully with a new coach it's getting closer to a point where we can actually be excited about the team for more than like the first seven weeks of the season and then we get a little bit sad yeah certainly it has been the off-season hype has been the you know the thing that has been probably most remarkable uh, over the the past few seasons but we were saying Frankie I suppose Stuart and I have been talking in in recent weeks about you know some of the things that 
concern us about the the team some mm-hmm. of the things that look much better on paper and wanted your thoughts on that to see you know Stuart and I alone in in our hopes and, and our, our concerns maybe if we start on the the positive side of things in terms of where you feel the Broncos have improved at least on paper as you know we sit on the cusp of training camp yeah uh, on paper right now, I'd say you can say the starting unit for the offensive line looks a lot better. They threw a ton of money at that position. So that was super nice to see for once in our, you know, or at least my seemingly adult life, there might actually have a decent five starting unit to put together. I'm a little bit worried about what they've got behind there, but they seem to at least have the the five-man group with McGlinchey, who I do think maybe is slightly overpaid, isn't the greatest right tackle in the world, but is definitely serviceable, definitely a starter, which they haven't really had a starting caliber right tackle in God knows how long. Bringing Ben Powers, who I view as an upgrade over uh, what they had last year in Risner. Quinn Miners, hopefully getting to have another year of progression. Garrett Bulls, hopefully getting back to his full health. Bringing back Cam Fleming is huge to be able to play that swing role. We'll see if Lloyd Cushenberry can kind of put it together. Or finally, Alex Forsythe's the name they kind of brought through in the draft. He was one of the better pass blocking centers they have, but he's not a great run blocker. So we'll kind of see how he works out in the Sean Payton scheme. But yeah, I think the starting unit for their offensive line is one of the much improved things that they did for this season. Yeah, I think that an area is improved. For for you, Stuart, we talked about this a little bit. In terms of, I suppose, the looking at it, and Stuart and I are watching the, the sport a, a decent amount of time, Frankie. For, for you, Stuart, at least on paper, how far back do you have to go to kind of, you know, look at the, the start this starting on paper again with all the caveats that that exist with that but is this the the best starting you know line in certainly five years for you Stuart? Yeah on paper I think it is Colm I I think it may even be the best starting line going further back than that because I think Peyton Manning was able to paper over quite a few cracks and but just going back to what Frankie said you know his his entire adult life myself and Colm a wee bit older than Frankie, unless Frankie's got some amazing skincare regimen that he hasn't told anybody else about. But the Broncos, like for as long as I can remember, they've seemed to have, particularly under John, John Alway, seemed to have regarded right tackle as something that would just kind of sort itself out as they as they went along. And, um, you know, that has proven to be absolutely not the case in any way, shape or form. So I do agree with Frankie. I think McGlinchey might have been slightly overpaid, but I'm, I'm kind of of the opinion that I'm glad that they did it because I think they had to finally pull the trigger on mm-hmm. something out there rather than kind of throwing sort of band-aids at the position you know because I think Gareth Bowles has proven to be better than he looked I think he was slightly overrated I think that year where there was no crowds in helps him I think the refs decided not to call holding calls that particular season so I think there was a danger of him being overrated but I do think Gareth Bowles is a decent left tackle he's certainly not elite but he's a lot better than he looked like he was going to be at one point and uh, so I think McGlinchley might be around the similar level to Bowles I think so they're two decent left tackles for me Powers was was the big pickup I think he he is a clear upgrade on anything we've had on the interior for quite some time oh Quinn Miners and uh, takes another step forward because he was a lovely, pleasant surprise last year. I think the the question mark is is still center, you know. And I think, given the way the league has gone over the last couple of years, I know Colin, we we kind of probably grew up, you know, outside pass rush was the key. You know, you think of players like you know uh, Derek Thomas, you know Lawrence Taylor, going back a little bit further, they were kind of the dominant pass rushes of the era. 
now interior pass rush is huge because you know of the the types of sort of quarterbacks like say Mahomes you know you need to flush him from the pocket I know he's dangerous outside the pocket but you need to get pass rush from all different types of angles um, in which case you know your center becomes an increasingly important part of the line and um, I think hopefully Lloyd Cushenbury will 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 click for him because it kind of needs to yeah. you know he's at that point in his career where you know if, if the penny is going to drop this is this is when it's going to happen um, and I'm I'm not really sure how much you know. Frankie, he talks about the offensive line on paper being good, but there's not much behind it. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of still a little bit. I'm a little bit concerned about center because I think there there seemed to be an awful lot of hope pinned on the on the guy that we drafted very late. And yes, there have been offensive linemen that have come in and made significant contributions to the Broncos. You know, we Tom Nalen is the prime example, and um, but there's no guarantees. That he's going to be able to get it done in, in his rookie year. So to me, you know, yes, it is a good starting offensive line, but there are still question marks, particularly at center. But look, it's it's good to see that money has been spent yeah. on a position that has been a little short of a train wreck at times over the last couple of seasons. Well, I just want to follow up on that even more. I will say if there was one thing about free agency that really shocked me for what Bron- the Broncos did is that you really didn't see them look for a person to kind of challenge Lloyd Cushenberry and camp. Like for those who don't know, like Lloyd Cushenberry is a guy who has been on the team and has very much struggled, been a very big weak link along that offensive line for the past two years, which offense center is one of those positions that kind of takes a little bit to develop. And you'd like to see them kind of have a veteran like they've had in Graham Glasgow that they can kind of throw into stopgap when Lloyd is getting bullied a little bit. So I was absolutely shocked to see like in after a year where he got benched with a new coaching staff, new offensive line coach, and I think a scheme that doesn't necessarily fit his skill set too well in kind of what you think about when you think about the like the true Sean Payton-esque offensive linemen, which are usually these much bigger, you know, broodier bodies. That's not really what Lloyd Cushenberry is. This is the second year in a row I think we're hearing a lot of offseason hype. Last year was all about how well he was doing in the cahoots. Nathaniel Hackett was pumping the gas on how good Lloyd Cushenberry was going to be, but then by week six, he was one of the worst statistical centers in the league. The stuff rate for Denver was atrocious up the middle. For anyone who remembers, there was a big problem with them not being able to convert very short yardage touchdowns. You remember, I think it was the Seahawks game where they had the two fumbles on the one-yard line. You look back on those plays, a big reason for that was Lloyd Cushenberry is just getting blown up in his gap every single time. So as I was saying, you know, like this unit looks strong, but sadly the way in NFL works nowadays is you'd rather have five capable linemen than like two elite linemen and then one really bad one because one really bad lineman can bring down the whole thing a lot more than you'd expect. So like you said, there isn't really a lot of competition behind him. They did bring in Kyle Fuller, who was like a center guard for the Seahawks for a few years, actually with Russ. They have Wattenberg, who looked pretty rough last year, if they say it kindly. And then you have Forsyth, who's a draft pick. So yeah, the, the interior of the offensive line when it comes to depth and the center position is definitely scary it's definitely one of the cons i'd say and i suppose you know frankie in terms of the other is is there anything else that kind of stands out to you in terms of that on paper i I keep emphasizing that just because we've been burned so many times within the last few years but at least on paper you look and you go that is a serious upgrade on what we had last year I guess, I mean, the coaching staff, I think, will be better, at least just with Sean Payton. I think the entire thing is going to run a lot smoother because, really, at the end of the day, how can't it? It was an absolute mess last season. Things like we've never seen taking place in the league have were taking place on seemingly a weekly basis. So that won't happen anymore under the, the watchful eye of Sean Payton, at least I believe. But really, I'd say, like, 
they were, you know, they were the team that spent the most in free agency, but the positions I'd say they look to upgrade, they kind of, you know, they're not the teams that are really going to jump your team ahead too much. They invested a lot in a tackle, which helps, but isn't necessarily something that's going to push you over the line. They signed an interior offensive lineman. They signed, you know, a defensive end. They signed a three tech. Those were their guys. They signed a big money. Those are things that kind of can push your team forward. When you, when you look at what they were replacing, I'd say they did really well kind of playing along those margins. I think with the limited draft capital they had, they invested smartly. I think the contracts they gave out, while I'm not in love with them, they were understandable, and I don't think that they're going to completely sink the ship. I think it was a smart offseason for them, and I think that's honestly good after what I'd say was last offseason, sadly, a pretty dumb offseason. I think, you know, you don't need to swing for the face fences. This is a team that needs to just start getting singles. This team just needs to start getting on base, get the on base percentage up, look smarter as a franchise, look competent, look competent on the field next season. You know, this team isn't going to go from being one of the most sadly embarrassing franchises in the league for the past seven or so years to being a Super Bowl contender. I think too many of the fan base and seemingly the organization believe that was the case when Russell Wilson came to town last year. I don't think it's going to be that easy of a one stop shop fix. You know, I don't think. This is like when Peyton Manning came to town. And I also think that this is just a different team than it was when Peyton Manning came to town. So I think it was a good step in the correct direction, but this isn't going to be like, oh man, this is a team. I think that's going to go from being five and 12 or whatever the record ended up being last year. to This is going to be like contending for the AFC West crown with the chiefs next year. Yeah. I think you're speaking our language, Frankie. If, if this team went from worst to first, I think we would all we'd all be delighted, but I think utterly shocked if that yeah. were to be the case. Now, and I suppose let's delve into some of the the reasons you know for concern. We take what is your your biggest area of concern, your your biggest red flag with this team. So I mean, this is a team that, as we all are aware, has struggled with injuries in the last four years. And while that's not something that I'd say you can predict, they have a lot of guys on the roster that whether it's through free agencies from George Payton, they've kind of taken some risks on guys that have struggled with injuries in the past. And this is a roster as a whole that I'd say is constructed with guys that you don't really expect to survive a 17 game season. You're probably hoping to get more like 10, 12 games out of them, especially when you look on the defensive side of the ball, when you talk about guys like Randy Gregory, Kwan Williams, guys of that nature that while they're incredible talents and great players, you're just not really getting a thousand snaps out of those guys. And the depth at a lot of these positions is not that great, I'd say. It's a lot of, well, I wouldn't say it's not great. It's very unproven, which isn't the worst thing in the world when you're talking about a team that I'd say is in a bit of a weird kind of half rebuilding, kind of half trying to really establish themselves a little bit. But they've got some young pieces and spots that you'd, I guess I'd like to see maybe another veteran or two when you talk about interior defensive line, where I think last year you had a guy like Deshaun Williams, you you could really trust to be that fourth guy in the rotation to kind of come in, play any of those front three spots and hold it down for you. This year, it's going to have to be someone like Matt Henningsen, Ayomo Wazirike, Jonathan Harris, guys we've seen in the past and have been serviceable, I'd say in those roles, but I think they're going to have to truly be guys that are playing like 500, 600 snaps for you this year. And if they aren't, you're going to have a hole on your team. And so that's, I'd say, an unproven spot. The running back position, as you guys were talking about, for an offense that I think everyone, I mean, Sean Payton's made it incredibly obvious. You know, he signed tight ends, fullbacks, offensive linemen. He signed everything to say we are going to run the ball, but he didn't really bring in good carrier of the football running back. Like Samaj P. Ryan, I actually really like his signing, but he's much more of like he's a solid pass blocker. He's a solid pass catcher out of the backfield. He actually does kind of a lot of the things. He does a lot of the dirty work stuff, 
But as far as being an actual like between the tackles or outside the tackles runner, he's not necessarily the kind of guy you want to see getting, I'd say, like 200, 300 touches in a season. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So they didn't really go out and get a guy. And they really, I think, had the opportunity to do so, especially, and they still could. You know, with the amount of free agents that are still available, obviously we're talking in the midst of all of the running back pandemic with Saquon not getting paid and all these running backs not getting big deals and who knows where they're all going to end up in the next season, which I'll be honest, kind of bums me out now that Denver's kind of a little bit tied to this massive Russell Wilson deal. That's only getting bigger by the day. Cause I would take me some Josh Jacobs at like 12 million a year. I don't really care that he's a running back. That dude's really good. And he's only 25. Um, kind of lost track, but yeah, they don't really have that like star running power. And yes, they do have Javante Williams. I'm a massive Javante Williams fan. I really believe that he can be that guy, but they're banking a lot on him recovering at a record rate from this ACL tear. Like it's not me trying to be like, Oh, like I'm not a doctor. I have absolutely no clue, but, I think everyone has from watching the NFL knows that usually ACL tears, they take a while to come back from. They take like a year, year and a half. He will be just hitting a year in October that he tore his ACL. It seems like he is the primary running back that they're expecting to be ready to go week one in the season. And that's just a little bit worrisome, especially when you talk about a guy whose primary trait running the football is his contact balance, his ability to run through tackles, his ability to kind of create solid runs out of runs that aren't so good. This isn't a guy that has elite vision and like elite ability to kind of go untouched into the end zone. That's not Javante's game. I do have some slight concerns about will he be able to hold up through the entirety of a season coming off a gruesome ACL tear. And that's the other part of it is he tore seemingly every ligament in his knee. You know, there was the report that there was no nerve damage, but I'm just, I'm still fairly hesitant. I hope they make a signing for a veteran back. It really seems like, you know, end of the day, tossing a one year, five mil, however much they need to throw at one of these guys, just so you have an extra body that you can rely on. I think it's just a smart move. So I'm not going to say that that's necessarily a too super negative because I feel like they just, they have to at this point, but maybe they won't. And then that I think would be a huge con. Stuart, the listeners to this uh, may not be able to, to see Frankie. If, if I, you know, what he was saying, looking at him, this, if, if you had an American accent and a fringe, well, you know, <laughs> I, I was hearing, I was hearing very similar things to a lot of what you have said over the, the past couple of weeks around I your concerns, mind, you know? Yeah. <laughs> No, Frank, I totally agree with you. And yeah, Colin, you're right. I mean, I just find it really peculiar, frankly, that the team seems to be, as you said, they've done everything. They've made it abundantly clear from what they've said, but also, more importantly, from their actions, that they are going to run the ball. And given how badly Russell Wilson played last year, I think that's absolutely the right thing to do. And yet, 
obviously running back is only one of the components that goes into an effective running game, but it's probably the most important component. Yes, you've mm. got to have a good offensive line, a good scheme, you know, a good fullback, all those kind of things. You need a running back. And at the moment, the running back that we have that is most equipped to do these um, have has a massive question mark over him. Because as you said, that was a gruesome injury. Everything that could have been torn in that knee was torn. And as you say, the key attribute when you think of Javante Williams is tackle-breaking ability. That is plowing through contact. Unfortunately, like when he went down, I think we said on the program, that like the type of player Javante is, that is the worst possible injury that he could have had. I, I just find it very peculiar that, and I know we're cash-strapped at the moment because we've made a lot of moves in, in the off-season. I find it really peculiar that we haven't added another veteran presence into the room. Maybe they will. I know they signed... Murray quite late into the season. Obviously, they, they signed a direct response to Javante's injury, obviously. Um, but, you know, I think there are good players still out there in the market. Yeah. P. Ryan is a very effective goal line back. He's very good, as you said, blocking. He's very good at catching the ball out of the backfield. He's not a three-down running back. He never has been in his career. He's not going to be, you know, and I think mm. it would be naive to think that's going to happen here. So surely there's going to be another move into that room. There has to be, or else yeah. you just, you know, it's, it's, it's another question mark. I think you know, I think you seem like already, Frankie, we can tell you're a realistic Broncos fan. I think it's crazy to expect Russell Wilson to bounce back to, you know, the way he was three, four, five years ago. I think respectability is the aim for Russell Wilson next year. That may be beyond him, but that's what you would aim for. The Broncos have to run the ball effectively next year. And I just think they're taking a massive gamble on Javante. Uh, we all hope we're wrong. We'd love to see him come back to be the player he was, but unfortunately, the odds are stacked against it. Certainly at the start of the season, anyway. So they right. have to, they have to do something else. And it only makes it even harder when you accelerate that process by forcing, not forcing him, by saying he's going to be ready for week one. He's going to be ready for training camp. He's going to be ready for all these things. When I don't think you necessarily have to, but I, like, I will say for one little last note on the running back position. There is, you know, there's always the chance. Maybe they've got a UDFA they're absolutely in love with. Maybe Tony Jones or Tyler Beatty they fell in love with at the end of last season. You know, us being Broncos fans, we've seen the Philip Lindsays of the world. We've seen the, the Terrell Davises, all these undrafted late round greats that can kind of make their name in the offense, even though this isn't at all that, you know, Shanahan-esque, you know, you can seemingly throw no-name accountant back there and he'll be able to go off for 1,500 yards in the season. It is a bit different of an offense, but – there is always that chance, you know, I'm not going to say they're not going into it with a plan because I'm sure, you know, they're having the same exact thoughts we are. But it is just it does feel like they're just they're banking a lot on literally a record would be a record recovery from an injury of this nature. So hopefully he's or Javante is just Superman. You know, hopefully that's the case. Hopefully. I mean, the one that springs to mind who evidently was Superman was Adrian Peterson, mm -hmm. who ended up, you know, coming back from. Uh, that ACL injury and looking superhuman immediately, I, but he is the absolute outlier. And given right. how how good a rusher he was, it'd be very unfair to expect he, that. From. He was he was also much more elusive than Javante was as well. Colin Furness, yeah, uh, in, indeed, a very different sort. But you know, we shall see. I suppose I'm I'm a little I I can understand from both of you in terms of you know, the, the, how sparse it is. But as you said, Frankie, for me, you look at it and there are guys that, that you can, that can come in, you know, Murray last year began life on practice squad elsewhere. And I, I just think for me, I suppose it's the, the depth on the, the D line that is a huge area of concern, because I think what you have seen 
teams, the most successful teams do is the depth. And and really the Eagles more than anyone emphasized that last year, their ability. Now they were bringing in elite, elite guys like, you know, you're bringing, you can imagine being an O-line guy and you think, oh, I'm going to get a, a break and all of a sudden Sue arrives and you're thinking, oh my God. But it's the ability to, to constantly rotate, to keep guys fresh. And I think that's an area where we will struggle. Frankie, be, you know, before say we, we, we let you go and, and wrap up, what is it that you are going to be keeping an eye on in in training camp? I mean, is the part of the season where everybody is in the best shape they've ever been in, mm-hmm. and you know every, everything is going to be different this year? And the guys who are injury or have had in, you know injuries in the past, that's all behind them now. Yep. Um, so we're all aware of the stories that come out. But what are some of the things that you will be keeping an eye on? Hundred percent. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The number one thing I'm excited to see is we were reported yesterday, JL Skinner, who was the rookie safety out of Boise State, six foot four, 220 pounds, one of my, a prospect I very much enjoyed watching. He got drafted by Denver in the sixth round because he endured a pec injury in the pre-draft process, which a torn pectoral, while obviously a very painful, isn't necessarily one of those that you need to really worry about on the long term. So a very kind of very unluckily for him, I don't want to make it sound like this was a good thing at all, but Denver kind of caught the benefit of his him enduring this injury because they were able to get a late-round prospect that, reporting from Mike Kliss, it sounds like will be ready to go for training camp. Can't wait to see what he's able to do because they have a deep safety room, and if he's able to kind of edge out a couple of these guys, like they seem five or six deep right now, minimum, there might be seven, honestly, when you talk about, I mean, Delaire and Turnerell from the last year. George Payton's drafted a safety every single year. So it'll be interesting seeing all those guys battle out. I want to see where he gets lined up. Honestly, all the rookies, I want to see how Marvin Mims gets used. I want to see kind of if they utilize him, kind of taking away some of maybe Judy's opportunities, whether it's outside or on the inside opportunity, whether he's playing the Z or if he's playing on that Y. Um, I want to see what they're doing with Drew Sanders. I want to see if they're working him as an outside pass rusher, if they're really giving him the opportunity off ball. I hope they're really using him as both. I've kind of been, I'm not the most excited about the Vance Joseph hire. I think he'll be fine, but I do think they kind of took a little bit of a step back in that defensive coordinator approach. But one thing I will say is he's kind of of that Wade Phillips mindset where he's just going to be throwing bodies at the defensive line. And Denver has a lot of very fun, unique blitzers. Like when you talk about having bodies like Baron Browning, Jonathan Cooper, Andrew Sanders, who are all just like these Metahuman, super athletes, combination of off-ball linebackers and edge rushers. They're 6'4", 250, and run a 4'5". Like, you can do a lot of fun, like, unique packages with those three players combined with Randy Gregory, combined with Frank Clark, and combined with the interior players they've got. Zach Allen's kind of another really fun athlete they signed this offseason. I think they're going to be able to do some fun stuff pressure-wise. 
I do worry that their defense might be kind of bad and give up a lot of big plays and that they're going to get absolutely scraped by the Chiefs. But who knows? Maybe they'll end up being a really good defense and being like a top 10 unit again. I just don't know if I necessarily expect it. I think there'll be a lot more boom or bust every kind of week to week. But that in itself will be more fun to watch from time to time. So I'd say that's kind of something I'm looking for as well, just kind of how they're deploying a lot of these different pass rushes they have because they have a lot. And the other thing, I suppose, Frankie and Stuart might get you to, to chip in on this. We are now on the cusp of training camp. Denver has, a, again, on, on paper, but a significant number of receivers. Do you see us going into the season with, you know, I suppose, um, Judy, Sutton, Tim Patrick, Hamler, and Mims all on the roster, or could one of them move on elsewhere. Frankie, we'll go with you first. So I don't know if it'll be in the preseason or in like training camp. I am of the concern. I love Jerry Judy. I don't want to make it sound like I am thinking that this should happen. There was a lot of talk over the past year, two years about how much trade rumor there was around Jerry Judy. I don't think that those rumors just stopped because they didn't come to a price last year. I won't be shocked if, You know, God forbid, but if Denver starts the year two and four or something, if week six rolls around and the Giants say, hey, we're interested again and we'll throw you a little bit of a reduced cost, but we still want Jerry. And they're saying, hey, we've got this guy, Marvin Mims, that looks pretty good. Maybe we start giving him some of those opportunities. I won't be shocked if that happens. I'll be sad, but I do think that that is a very, like, the more I think about it, very possible, like, scenario, you know? I think he's obviously the most valuable receiver they have left in that room. You're not going to be able to get a lot of Tim Patrick coming off the ACL tear. And that's not me saying you should, but that's just kind of a fact. Sutton, I think is, you know, with where he's at in his career, with what we're seeing kind of his type of receiver go for the more electrifying route running, able to create separation receivers like the Kadarius Tony's similar to the Jerry Judy's. They just go for more sadly than those bigger body contested catch guys. That's just kind of the way the NFL is right now. So I think if it was going to be any of these guys, I do think KJ Hamler might struggle to make the roster, but that's kind of a separate thing because they also have Marquez Callaway, who I think is a lock as well. And he kind of makes these other guys a little bit more. He's kind of another thing that factors into the, maybe we see one of them get traded early on if the season doesn't start too hot, but it's, it's definitely an interesting conversation because there were guys like Jalen Virgil and Brandon Johnson who looked good in camp last year. So I don't know. Stuart, you, would you echo what Frankie says, or do you think it might play out a little differently? No, I, I think, you know, I think, Colin, we were all extremely surprised that neither Jerry Judy nor Cortland Sutton were traded before the draft because there was a huge amount of smoke. Uh, as Frankie said correctly, you know, there was constant trade rumors, especially about Jerry Judy. I think the word on the street was that nobody was willing to give up what the Broncos were looking for. Uh, so, like, the, you know, and also, you know, they, they, they drafted Mims highly considering what they had draft capital wise. So, you know, you'd have to imagine he's going to play some role and, and also, you know, he looks like the kind of player that could do well in a Sean Payton offense. Um, so you'd have to factor in that he's going to be in the mix pretty quickly. KJ Hamler is unfortunate because he, he, you know, he, he did flash and he's got that elite speed, but unfortunately he doesn't seem to have the NFL body to stay fit. Uh, he's played only a handful of games really for Denver at this stage in his career. So he, he would look very expendable. Uh, you know, I mean, I think Frankie's, his scenario is not an unrealistic one. I would say, frankly, we probably have a slightly easier schedule at the at the oh, beginning of it. <laughs> so we we'd hopefully go four and two. So maybe it might not be until the trade deadline. But 
Um, then again, you never know. It just this time next year, our wide receiver room is going to look vastly different. You'd have to imagine. I think it's just a question of when the first chip begins to fall. One of the things as well for me is that Tim Patrick and Cortlandson are kind of the same wide receiver. You know, neither of whom been fit at the same time. It seemed like really, you know, Tim Patrick sort of made his name when Cortlandson went down. Cortlandson, you know, got most of Tim Patrick's looks last year. The one thing that I, I would just sort of go back remembering it seems quite a long time ago but there was little or no chemistry between Russell Wilson and Cortland Sutton last year and um, not sure how that gets fixed or changed maybe the new scheme maybe Sean Payton is a clearly a far better offensive mind than Hackett maybe that might get things turned around but it, it didn't seem like Russell really looked Cortland Sutton's way very often last year Jerry Judy and um, and Greg Dulcich were the two targets he seemed mm. to go to time and time again so I don't know maybe that's something to look out for in camp I mean I'd be Look, you know, there's not going to be a QB battle, I don't think, because they've invested too much. They've invested far too much in Russell Wilson, um, both financially and draft, draft-wise. draft uh, But, you know, Stidham was a guy that that, uh, that Peyton seemed very keen on. And Stidham flashed. I'm not saying that Stidham is going to come in and take Russell Wilson's place, but I think for me the interesting thing is Stidham has at least shown that he can do something in the league, whereas... Last year, despite how poorly Russell Wilson was playing, you know, Brett Rippon was never gonna 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 see the field as long as Russell was fit. And you could have a situation where Russell gets benched if he stinks the place out like he did last year because Stidham looks competent. Oh, yeah. um, you know, so maybe keep an eye out there. I'm not saying there's gonna be a QB battle, that's not what I'm suggesting. We're not going back to the dark days of Colm's gonna get PTSD when I say this. We're not going back to the Trevor Simeon versus Paxton Lynch days, Colm. Uh, but it, it might be, you know, we'll be We'll see how Stidham does, especially in preseason. You know, might be might be worth keeping an eye on. Mm-hmm. And Frankie, finally, what is your? We're still probably too early because we're in July. But what mm-hmm. is your far too early uh, season prediction record for the Broncos? I don't know. Probably somewhere like I'd love if they could win really like eight or nine games. I don't know if they got to push double digit wins. The AFC is tough. I mean, that's kind of I guess a big thing I factor into it too. Is like. Wins, you know, it's easy to like say a number of wins, but then you gotta kind of kind of gotta think about the teams that I think that they'll actually be better than. And man, like, there's just a lot of good quarterbacks combined with really good rosters in this conference. Like, even if we've kind of been talking about it, even if Russell Wilson bounces back to I'd say a good quarterback, you know, I don't think he's going to be a top twelve, even top ten quarterback in the league, really, because sadly the top like eight guys in the league are all ridiculously good and any week could be the best quarterback in the league you know when you talk about guys from Mahomes to Lawrence the list goes on and on and half of them are pretty much all of them actually are in the AFC and under the age of 28 and now they added some more this year when you talk about Anthony Richardson's now here Bryce Young is here and I'm not saying those guys are going to definitely work out but I'm saying or I'm sorry CJ Stroud's here no, I'm saying those guys are definitely going to work out, but it's another dice roll. If one of them hits, that's another great QB in the AFC. Aaron Rodgers just came to this conference. Like, there's only room for so many good teams and great teams in the AFC. And I just, I guess I have a bit of a hard time seeing Denver asserting themselves into that realm this year. I think it might take a little bit of time. There's a lot of moving pieces, you know. I don't want to jump the gun. I'm very excited about what Sean Payton will bring. But he's bringing with him a whole new, whole new group of coaches. Whole bunch of changes are going to take place over this next year and a half until this becomes truly Sean Payton's team. Because right now, it's kind of the team Sean Payton inherited, and it's hard for us to kind of say 
this is his vision when it's really not. I mean, as we talked about, he wants to build a rushing football team. He doesn't really have a running back right now. You know, the only so many of the offensive linemen really fit what he wants to do. You know, he doesn't have depth built up on the defensive line, which has always been a theme throughout his entire tenure in New Orleans. There's there's things that will kind of I want to see the seeds planted this year more than I want to see the win total, I guess. Like over last year, it was like it was despair the whole time. I want to at least feel like, man, I can, if we can build on this, they might be pretty good in a couple of years or next year. You know, that's, those are the main things I'm looking for. So I'd say eight wins, nine wins. But yeah. Frankie, one last question. Hand on heart. Is Russell Wilson going to be the Denver Broncos quarterback next year? If it's up to me, no, (laughs) I don't think so. If it was up to me, probably not. I think the money is going to be too expensive. I think it's going to end up, it's going to be really hard to make that contract work as you continue to go on, it only gets more expensive from here. And the quicker you get out of it, the quicker, the easier it gets to start the rebuild. You know, you can, if he doesn't look like literally a top 12 consistent quarterback this year, they're going to be paying him as a top five quarterback, top three quarterback next season, regardless. I would much rather have them have a clean slate. And what would that be? 2025, 2026, he'd be fully off the books. I'd much rather see that happen than see them try to make the middling quarterback work. If he ends up looking decent enough where he's, you know, where teams are throwing out maybe some trade offers where we end up eating some of the contract, they got to start listening, I think, you know, I think I I would prefer that probably not. But hey, you know, and again, I don't want to sound like a hater because maybe he ends up looking incredible this year. I will be rooting for him just as hard as anybody. I'll be doing Sierra dances, listening to one, two step. I'll be going crazy. So like, you know, I don't want to make it sound like that. But based on the money right now, I I just don't envision a world where we're saying next year, like, man, Russell Wilson's really worth $50 million. And like, what, what is that? Like 20, 22, a big percentage of the cap, a big, big, big little hunk of that is out of your pie for the next like three years from that season as well. So I'm going to say no. Yeah. I mean, that's probably a sentiment I think shared by myself and Stuart. So we will just have to see how it goes. Frank, you want to thank you for taking the time to chat to us today. If there are listeners who want to check out more of your stuff, where can they do that? Yeah, of course. Frankie's film on Twitter. I post film over there. I post some opinions. I talk about the Broncos. I complain about them during the season. I'll maybe let go some expletives when bad things happen. Just kidding. Well, sometimes. And then during the week, every Thursday, you can come listen to me over at the Let's Talk Broncos channel. I'm over there talking with my buddy Joey. We get into the stuff about what's going on with the team, what's going on around the league. We talk about the draft when it's that season. And yeah, make sure you listen to the Irish show with Colin and everybody. And yeah, you're stopping back over here as well. Frankie, thanks uh, so much. And hopefully we can have you on again over the course of the the season and and see where the Broncos are at. Uh, Stuart, thank you as always. For anyone listening, you can find Stuart on Twitter at PurpleHeartTC. I'm on there at Cullum from Cork. And we will be back next week when training camp will blessedly have started and we can begin to you know really kind of see how some things are shaking out but for now all that remains is to say go broncos